Hey, Nerd Talk Nation, this is Jordan Halsted. Welcome back to another episode of Nerd Talk. Today we are talking about Peacemaker Season 1. Today I've got Will and Chick here with me. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I'm all so happy to be back, man. I'm stoked. Absolutely. We haven't had you in a while. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are we sure about that? Are we sure about that? Like the John Cena meme. Yes. <laughs> so, I want to dive in real quick. How great was that opening? Of all the things that they could start out with, how great was the opening for this for the series? Oh my goodness. It was so awesome. Um, so the first thing I want to say is I saw an interview um, when the series first came out of John Cena and he was like talking about how much like he just can't dance at all, um, which is, um, you know, is weird because I don't know. I've, I feel like he killed it, but like I get it because the choreography is like really weird and awkward, but it, like it I think that's what helped it. And, yeah. And the, the other thing I love about the intro is, so I, I'm, I'm an avid TikTok user, which is weird because I'm 31 years old, but I'm on TikTok a lot. And when the series first uh, came out, everyone was doing the dance on their TikToks, and it was amazing. I loved it. Will, did you do the dance on your TikTok? Uh, yeah, I think I called it uh, the thrust cut. Uh, I'm still practicing it. I was uh, funny enough. It's funny that we bring this up today because I think I was just getting so amped for this. Uh, I've been watching the movies because uh, if you go back and find that thrust cut, uh, I don't. I don't really. Know, I don't have all the moves down yet. But like I'm doing like all the arm things, trying to throw the spin in there, and I'm learning more. And, and chick, don't feel bad about your age being on TikTok. I'm almost, I'm almost 33, and I'm on there, and I'm like, am I, am I too old for this? Is this weird? Yeah. What's up with all these weird dances? Anyway, anyway, with with that dance, and I, I can just kind of relate to John C. I mean, a tall, awkward, handsome man <laughs> over here. That you, we can't have it all. We can't have it all. We can't have the coordination and choreography. But it was great. Like I posted this, and I genuinely mean this. I we were just. It's funny enough. I hate to like stick on the TikTok thing, but this was actually one of our first week questions. I believe Jordan uh, posited it. it, like what was the best intro of a show ever? And little did we know this little gym was going to be coming down the way because uh, it's it's up there. It's up. Yeah, because we w- top five. We asked that question, <laughs> or I I asked that question back in what November. That was one of the yes. very first questions that I asked. It was a opening theme song or whatnot, and I we had no idea that this was going to slap so hard. So crazy, but it, it's a good one. Uh, in other words, it's streets ahead, and it, it, it's uh, verbal verbal dy- dynamite over here. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I, you know, I remember watching the very first episode when it came out because I was like, "Oh, Peacemaker's out!" Like, I I really want to watch this, and that was the biggest takeaway for me was I'm not gonna skip the intro. Like, there's that that feature where you can, "Hey, would you like to skip the intro?" And I'm like, "Why would you even suggest that button on this show?" Like this is this is the one time I want to watch every single time. And I started watching to see each episode to see if they made slight changes. And it was always the same through the whole thing. I was really hoping like different characters, like they would just keep doing the same dance, but like that episode's characters would show up because I thought that would be even funnier if like there's just subtle changes that you have to pay attention to. But I, I didn't catch yeah. any. So there was speculation, though, too, that that was actually the end of the show, uh, that they were all under mind control by the butterflies, which we'll get into later in this. But and I was just mm-hmm. like they're doing like a little victory dance and like we'll, we'll see the payoff at the end. Uh, but I think people were just reading into too much. I think just that would have like, been really James fun. Gun, it would have been really fun. But I think it's just like other James Gunn pro- projects like Guardians, like Star Lord doing his dance. And just even when uh, baby Groot's dancing at the beginning of Guardians, too, like it. It's uh, James Gunn has a style, and he kind of he sticks to it. <laughs> so, oh yeah, uh, I mean, his strengths. don't don't fix what's not broke. Like don't absolutely. don't try and fix that. Yeah, absolutely. 
How would you guys rate this show on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being pile of garbage? I'm going to say a high 8, uh, low 9, and that's high praise. I mean, I, I think 1, I'm a little bit biased because I like DC, but also James Gunn took several DC characters that like were like C or D tier lists, uh, spinning out of the Suicide Squad and made a show about like a guy that, when I've talked to people about the character, everybody genuinely hates generally hates peacemaker but this shows like why that he's not necessarily 100 percent the bad guy like obviously we'll get more into details of, of it throughout the podcast but uh it just like I, I this is what i was hoping for when they announced this too going like yeah i, I mean i like john cena he's being funny in this movie and ah oh, the ending of suicide squad why why john cena why did you go so bad and go crazy but like it's just the way his dad up, up, brought him up and just the things he was touching it's so ingrained in his mind like it's second nature to him but like there is a good person in there as we'll see throughout the show and he wants to be almost like a pseudo captain america type like he is like the captain america legend but like twisted on his head like i'll get peace at any cost even if that means killing somebody and great cap doesn't kill unless it's nazis and something that he really desperately needs to do but this like this guy will break necks and ca cash checks and do whatever he, he wants because that's the way he was taught and it, yeah i'll I'll let you and chick take take the mic from there because i'm kind of rambling but eight or nine you is where i sit i'm not judging it as uh harshly ish as will but i'm um i might be a little bit biased but like i'm like 10 or 11 out of 10 uh, i loved it i loved everything about whoa. it whoa whoa <laughs> i wasn't being harsh eight or nine is pretty good like yeah it's pretty I, good I, I, before, I'll let you keep expanding on that, but I'll, I'll say it's better out of the two shows that we just got going into the new year. It's better than Book of Boba Fett, and I and I am actually pretty positive on that too. So, right, I, I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely like an eleven out of ten for me, and it's um, so I'm a really big fan of uh of Doom's Patrol, uh, Doomsday, jeez, Doom Patrol, um, yeah, and the reason I love Doom Patrol so much is because it like it just gets weird, and like it's so different from the it's not CW your typical cookie cutter Netflix. kind of show. Yeah, yeah. It's so different from, like, the CW, DC show. It's so different from the Netflix Marvel shows and so different from the the um, D Disney Plus Marvel shows. It's very different, and that goes a long way for me. Um, and then also, usually if, like, if uh, a, a writer and a director take, like, a big liberty on original characters and, and make them a lot different, I usually don't like it, but it really worked. Like, for example... Um, like Adrian Chase Vigilante was super different than what he what he is in the comic books. And yeah, that's not because. the the typical Adrian Chase that we're used to. Right, but it worked, and like I I guess like I get like he, like he used it for a lot of co comedic relief, and it really worked. Um, so there's that, and then also the, like we talked about the intro, um, and then uh, just the uh, like. I don't know if anyone felt this way about it, but this is how I felt. Like they try, like James Gunn tried to put these like really, try to do these like really touchy moments in it, and I felt like they're almost like comedic comedic relief. Like they were in there, but it's like since the show is so far fetched and wild, like these touchy moments are out of place, and like it was funny to me. So that's another reason I loved it so much. But yeah, eleven out of ten. Some different characters. Um, that you ne you never see, and James Gunn, his style, it was a home run for me. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to have the most controversial pick here, and this is totally based off two pieces. Storytelling. 
I'm giving it an 11. I think this is one of the best DC stories that we've seen, period. Like, better than Arrow, better than Flash, better than... There are so many pieces to that that, like, I loved. However, because of what was shown sexually and the adult explicit content that was in there, not even not even the, the verbiage, not in, nothing except for the fact that we saw anatomy that typically is is covered had this show been on tv not on a streaming service i think because of rules and regulations it would have been way better uh for my my personal pick but i think it drops me from giving it a 10 or 11 like you chick i think it's going to drop me down to an eight or a nine which i sit with will just based off the fact that there was some adult imaging in there that i just didn't think was needed i think that I, I i've had this conversation a lot recently i think that it is something that you can do super tastefully if you want to talk about sex if you want to talk about the addiction you want to talk about the intimate moments you want to even show or portions of this that's fine but do it tastefully like if you're saying hey john cena's peacemaker is having this intimate moment with this one girl you can do it where like you see a shadow and like nothing is physically shown and I think that that is the reason that I'm not giving it that is because I saw more than I needed to. And I was not a fan of that. With that being said, though, the storytelling is why I stayed. Like, typically, I'll be like, mm, nudity, imaging, things like that. I'm out. And with this one specifically, I was like, the storytelling alone was one of the best stories I have ever seen on on a TV show. I think that Peacemaker was was a very well-developed character. You had your comedic relief between him and Adrian Chase, and Adrian Chase was just a, a dynamite character to begin with. Then you have the team that he works with. I thought everybody just worked really well together, and then for Peacemaker to go against aliens, that is not a typical, like... Like, I was expecting him to face off with, like, the Riddler, the Joker task force x like he's running from the government like i was not expecting an alien invasion that he's gonna have to work for the government to take out the the body snatchers and things like that like i thought that was just it was very well told and it wasn't your typical like aliens are bad like he had this mental thing and he's like okay wait but they just drew a peace sign on a jar or hey like i'm having a conversation like they're they're human or they're not human but they're they're life beings as well and and i trying to figure that out he was developed very very well and i don't think that we have seen a lot of times where john cena has played roles where you see such character development i felt like in suicide squad or the suicide squad he wasn't developed to this degree and this that helped set the the pacing for this show which then just knocked it out of the park and i would i would say if james gunn doesn't come back for season two no one will ever hold the gauntlet because I think James Gunn handled it very well, just like you said. It's, it's got that James Gunn style. It just, it does very, very well. And I, I loved the series. I just, coming back, the only reason I don't give it that high, strong rating is just because there was just too much shown. I mean, when, when there's a specific spot that she's like, she shows a picture, and it's of her wife, and they're trying to spice up their, their love life. It's like, why I, I didn't need that. Like, it would have been funnier uh, had she flipped it and, like, we would have seen the reaction of just everybody freaking out, not of the image. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it, it it can be done tastefully without ever being... Kind of like uh, Friends, when Joey pulls his robe apart and they're supposed to see, like, him naked underneath, but instead, like, in the bloopers, he's in boxers and he's got a picture of David Schwimmer over him. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, 
leave it to the imagination. Like don't don't go in and say like show it all. Just like create a facade over it that way it, it creates some mysticism and you're just kind of like oh hey like this is a really cool piece and that's that's just my take that's not everybody's take and and maybe you guys disagree i don't know but i think that that's just why i don't give it that that 10 11 but i i, I want to but I just, I just don't think i can did you have anything so with that in, chick and in, 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 yeah in the show's defense it gets like it gets less of that oh yeah and later show. like it's really it's really heavy in the first few episodes. Well, there's one um, there's I, one moment in I agree each with you. Yeah. there's one moment in the first 3 episodes and then it goes away and then right. the I think it's the 6th or 7th episode cuz how many episodes were in this series? Was this 7? 8. 8. Okay. Eight. So in the 7th episode or 6th episode, one of those two there's mm-hmm. a there's another scene, but I, it yeah, came the, out of nowhere and like if dad, if you're not paying yeah, attention the has, yeah, yeah the when the dad is after he's having intercourse with uh, Nazi skinhead girl. Yeah. Um. It just shows it, her. Shows her. Yeah. Yeah. It just. It was. It was too much. And that's just kind of where I mm-hmm. sit with it. I'm like, and and I get in the show's defense, like it it tore away from that after those first three, and then they did one. And if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. I get that, but it still didn't need to be there. I don't think that that held any kind of weight that pushed this show forward. I think that, and and that's par for the course with HBO, unfortunately. I mean, they're they're known for this kind of stuff with Game of Thrones and all, and I think is Black Sails theirs as well. I know Black oh, Sails, yeah. Black yeah. Sa- so yeah. there there's just different shows that are known for having this kind of stuff. So, but that that's my take. So I did talk about the aliens. What were your guys' thoughts about the alien invasion? Did you guys like that? I thought that was a really cool, really really cool um, thing. I, I mean, like like you said that you didn't think it was going to be an alien invasion because you know, but. Like they he, they did aliens with Starro in the Suicide Squad, but still, um, that seems like something, um, that like a Task Force ask, uh, X would go after, right? And so I I thought it uh, it fit really well, um, and uh, like remember and like you remember in season three of Flash when they do the the big uh the big crossover and. The Dominators finally show up, and oh yeah, and Barry, they're like, "What is it?" Barry's like, "It's aliens, right?" So like, um, it kind of felt like that, where it's like these characters who don't even have like superpowers are like dealing with aliens. Which is, when we get to the end, and I won't completely spoil it. It seems like something the Justice League should be dealing with, right? Yeah. But we got no powers, vigilante, no powers peacemaker dealing with a whole a whole alien invasion so I, I thought it was really cool and um yeah and i think i thought the the uh idea design for the aliens were cool too because like how terrifying it is is it to like have a giant alien butterfly crawl up your you know crawl down your esophagus and take your body over like that's killing terrifying. you in the process yeah like so like the full like blood shooting out everything you're just dead right in that moment mm-hmm. oh what about you will uh yeah uh, chick i echo a lot of your sentiments uh it, it does seem to be like peacemaker is getting a lot of redemption in this so almost like everything's kind of a do-over but like with his own little ragtag group like they're all misfits i mean hardcore economists Edeoe, uh, for once I'm messing up the names. Uh, Amanda Waller's daughter and um, Merv, is that it? The butterfly yeah, man. Uh, 
yeah. Wow, I can't believe I got all that, but there's only five of them this time. But like, he where he failed at Starro and trying to do the right thing with Rick Flag, he's now getting the chance to do the right thing. And like his whole team hates him because of his actions and how he kind of screwed them all over. And yeah, the butterflies are. Uh, I mean, I, I was hoping we were gonna get like a reveal because there was early speculation like, oh hey, is this like the Reach, but like a smaller scale or something like that. And I thought I saw heard, heard them say like they were the Kaluans or something at the end, but like that, I, I was looking up alien races that that would be like the butterflies, and this is like a totally original thing. Or if it's not, it's not really. It's really obscure. It's like in the DC encyclopedias, but uh, I, I like that he kind of got redemption and just like I mean. James Gunn likes to do the gross stuff. I mean, he's, he did those Trump movies, and as we saw with Starro, like he, he did not hesitate to go a little bit weirder when Harley was in there, uh, going inside and breaking that uh, Starro. It was, yeah. If if James Gunn has a chance to go dirty or gross with something uh, based on his past movies and just stuff we've seen in his other films, he he's gonna take the chance and he's gonna go hard. Absolutely, I, I think the alien invasion storyline was a an appropriate one. No, I feel that. I know for me, uh, I remember there was, I think it might have been you, Will. Someone here in Nerd Talk had said, I heard that there's a chance that this might be a Blue Beetle inflection. It was. And I remember having this conversation, and I'm like, I hope not. I hope it's not like living organisms that are like invading bodies and all that. I was like, I really want like something special when we get to the Reach. I hope that we get something Mm -hmm. more mechanical with the suit, because I feel like if we're just going to get these then what what's the point of having blue beetle like is is it going to grow is it it looks more butterfly than beetle and i was i was really really confused with it and so i just kind of sit back and i i was like all right we'll just take it one step at a time so next thing i know i'm looking at this and i'm like this is probably one of the best versions of an alien i've seen because we've seen a lot of humanoids and we've seen like even in marvel you see a lot of humanoids you don't typically see different creatures like star wars had like yoda which is still humanoid-esque uh and and you don't really see too many crazy off the wall uh alien creatures but here we did and i thought that they were done very well i think that overall it's just going to be a phenomenal moving forward i think this is the way aliens will start to look and it will change how we go from everybody has to be on two legs to hey it can be literally something that looks like a butterfly it can look like some type of animal. It can look however we want it to look, and it will still look really, really good and portray well on screen. I had another thought while you were talking, not about anything you said, sorry, uh, but I do like all your thoughts, Jordan. Uh, but, like, the fact that a lot of these guys, like, because th- the butterflies aren't necessary, they're still bad. What they're doing is bad and morally wrong, but, like, what the humans they were possessing were doing was also wrong, and they, what they were telling Peacemaker towards the end, because since we're talking about it, we're going full spoilers. Like it's almost kind of parallels. Like does John Cena peacemaker or, or Chris Smith have like the ability to go with his own free will and not do his dad's wishes. And is there a chance to be a better person? And his sacrifice at the end, uh, trying to take them out kind of, he's given them a chance but he, he's like I'll, i i gotta protect everyone else like and give them a chance i can't let them just all be mind controlled and just be assume that you guys are going to do everything right because last time i put my faith in someone like that i turned out like me and yeah i do a lot of good but i also do a lot of bad and people don't like me so 
This is the same exact thing that happened in the first season of Stargirl, where the Injustice League uh, sets that big, you know, um, the big satellite up and then uses, you know, all the mind control stuff to be able to create a new society. And then you see, you know, the new um, Justice Society, uh, like, look at their plans and they're like, oh, we're going to do universal health care and free education, blah, blah, blah. And and then Stargirl's like, what? This is all good stuff. But the problem was they were going to force everyone to be into that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's that same exact conversation. Um, I hate to use uh, a, uh, a, a political, um, like, slogan, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's the best way I can describe this. Uh, good ideas should not be... Um, should not require force like that, that conversation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I, and I don't know if that's, I mean, it may have been used politically, but I don't feel like that's even a political statement. I think that is just no, a I'm life just statement. That's, that, that's just a, a common slogan I see used in a political sense. That's all. That's the only reason I said that, but that's, that's oh, the conversation. Absolutely. Right. Speaking yeah. of forcing things, we've got Amanda Waller back on scene. But we get it through also an interaction with a daughter, which, as far as I know, this is a very original character. I, I've never seen her have a child or anything like that. This is a very different style of character. What did you guys think of her daughter? Uh, Abadayo? Is that it? Abadayo? How do you say it? Something I like that. I think you said it better than me. You said it better than me <laughs> that time. Chick, what did you think about her? I really enjoyed her character. Um, there were some things that, you know... I mean, no characters are going to be perfect. But one of the things I really enjoyed is you have surrounding this whole situation, um, this whole this whole plot is just like killer aliens, um, cold blooded assassins, uh, a psychopath, sociopath, Adrian Chase, who his mind is all kinds of messed up, and you know Amanda Waller on the you know on. pulling strings because that's what she does and then you have innocent amanda waller's daughter uh with her wife and just wants to have a happy life and make her mom happy and do what's the right do the right thing has never had blood on her hands and then all of a sudden you have to do you know some ugly stuff to be able to save the world it really um reminds me of hobbits to like the whole storyline with the hobbits where you got um Marion Pippin who lived this super pampered life um in the Shire and then they get just thrusted into a war. Um or Samwise who um is BFFs with Frodo and he has to protect him, even though he's just a gardener, um has to, you know, kill off spiders and orcs and stuff. Spends so, three whole books being yeah. the hero yeah which by the way uh and the conversation about um what other characters outside of marvel can meal a uh, wield moon year um samwise is like number one anyways sorry oh yeah i didn't even think about that absolutely <laughs> yeah one, I, anyway, I i, I uh, barely so know my lord of the rings but i know that that's true too yeah, oh, yeah. anyways yeah. um that's what that's why i thought of of her, of her character is just like the you know an underdog story and a really good representation of um someone who has so much innocence and just wants you know to have a peaceful nice life but 
thrusted into a huge conflict and having to do a little bit of dirty work to um, do the right thing. Anyways, I was made for this. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I, I'm probably going to say this a lot throughout the pod, but like a lot of the characters either kind of relate a lot of things going on in this show parallel and relate to each other, or at least something that we just witnessed in the Suicide Squad. And Amanda Waller's daughter is no different. I mean, she is kind of thrust in the same position that Chris throughout his life was with Peacemaker. Uh, I mean, just I'll, I'll just say it like both, both their parents are morally corrupt and uh, are putting them in positions. And obviously, they love their parents. They want to get their approval and pride and pride from their parents and give them the pat in the back like oh my god like yeah i love you you're doing such a good job and doing this and that and i I mean she really fell on desperate times and needed a job and this job was to frame peacemaker and she and she's starting to get to know chris and going like okay like yeah i heard this guy was an a-hole but i'm not necessarily feeling right about pulling this fake diary making him look even worse than he probably already feels about himself that's that's not the right thing to do and just even learning more about him, like, hey, Chris doesn't want to do this either. And like, they become friends. And there's even that betrayal later on in the season where he's like, oh, we're not friends. And he's acting like a 14 year old because he's so undeveloped. And with the way he was raised, like, of course, that's how they were going to react. And after they just had that great, like, team building moment where they uh, ended up taking out a lot of the butterflies and figuring all that stuff, it was just, it was heartbreaking. And just, ah. Uh... It's it's Adebayo, by the way. I'm Adebayo. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Got it wrong. I had the B and the D were switched. Ab, Ad, Ad, uh, Adebayo, not Abadayo. Not, not not Obadiah Sting. Got it. Not, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, get that Marvel reference out of here, Will. But yeah, they're great characters and they, they put off each other well. I mean, give James Gunn some misfits. He's going to do a good job with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, if I can add, Jordan, um, I don't because I don't think we'll get to another question that I can that I can I can talk about this. But one of my one of my favorite things um, about the uh, about the finale was uh, since we're talking about Amanda Waller's daughter and Amanda Waller, uh, one of the things that the the Suicide Squad got right and that it continued in this. And so one of the things that James Gunn's getting right is how Amanda Waller keeps getting crapped on and not getting her way and being disappointed. Right, because um, when she's in the finale, when she's watching, you see Viola Davis watching the press conference where uh, Adebayo is, you know, actually confessing everything. She's like, "No," and then also like in how the Suicide Squad, um, she gets like just smashed with a golf club and um, doesn't get away with because Amanda Waller is a, just a piece of crap. She sucks. Oh, absolutely. So. Even in Justice League Unlimited, she was a piece of crap. I will yeah. say, Adebayo has one of the greatest moments. On t- in HBO Max history so far, and that's getting to be the human torpedo. <laughs> yes. And, and Jordan, with all that, after me and Chick just like hogged the podcast, you can have yeah. all the scraps left yeah. at yeah. Man. Stuff. I mean, thanks for leaving me anything. No, <laughs> no. I I think that she was she was a breath of fresh air. You have this absolutely terrible person, Amanda Waller, and she created life, and it ends up being this amazing character. And there was a lot of development, and she tried to see the good. And I loved one of my favorite moments was when she first held the gun, and someone else had to shoot the the person because she couldn't, and she knew I can't kill this person. I just I I can't. I've never killed anybody, and I don't want to. Like I do not have it in me. And then later in the season, she comes in, and she's she's taking people out, things like that. But 
again, the human torpedo. I was actually I was saving that one, and you you beat me to it. Uh, oh, yeah. And so since you did that, I'm just going to do this one to you. Age of Ultron. So boom, a tear. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know. So, so I, if you're going to beat me to my answers, I'm going to beat you to yours. Um, <laughs> at least she wasn't in that. Uh, no, I I think that this character was was done really really well, and you know it's coming from Amanda Waller. Like you don't expect that, and and it was cool to see. Okay, at the beginning of the se- or the series. You're like, okay, how does she fit in? She's Amanda Waller's daughter. We understand that. She's spying on the team. She's got a, a role to fill. But she's slowly starting to latch on and make them her people. And I loved that. And the representation, I felt, was was done very well. That she had to car- compartmentalize her relationship and her work. And even mm. as someone who is a straight white man, I still deal with that. And so I related to that character in a very different way because some days I don't get to spend time with my family. I have to do the job. Or sometimes I just need a moment to go spend time with my family and I have to put the job down. And I loved the way that they handled that because for someone who is not of that ethnicity, who is not that that sexual side, I was able to relate to that character. And I think that is the way that we handle representation very well. And I think James Gunn just nailed it with that character. And she was honestly one of my favorites. Yeah, what's up? Okay, and sorry, one last thing. Adebayo was an awesome character. Sorry, I thought of another thing I wanted to say. Also, um, one of the things, one of the coolest parallels um, in, in, in the plot was how, um, like, at the end when um, when Peacemaker's like, Adebayo, other other than Eagly, you're my, you're my BFF, right? And they ended up becoming friends. And the coolest thing about them is uh, Adebayo saw something in in chris because his dad is a piece of crap her mom is a piece of crap so obviously like they you know got together in that way and they like they see that in each as a really good parallel in the show so yeah you you brought up a really good point and we're actually going to get right back to that after the break Hey guys, Will over here with the Nerd Talk crew. We want you to mark your calendar for April 13th for something really exciting. Not any crazy cool comic book releases, but the release of our comic book club. What's comic book club? I'm glad you asked, Chick. Comic book club is where the Nerd Talk team is coming together. We're talking about the current books that we are reading, whether it's Marvel, DC, IDW, Image, Dark Horse, you name it, we're reading it. All of our listeners can listen with a premium membership on Podbean for $25 as a lifetime membership. Members also get exclusive content and a chance to be a part of the show. And so we really encourage you guys to join us as we are opening up our new segment called The Comic Book Club. All right, and we're back. So guys, we were talking a little bit about some of these awesome characters, and we were talking about Amanda Waller's daughter. And one scene comes to mind, and I started thinking about this is she sees Eagly give Peacemaker a hug in the hospital. And so I want to talk real quick about Eagly. Eagly, I feel, is a really, really cool character, and I wanted to know your guys' thoughts on his pet eagle named Eagly. Did you guys like this character? Did you think that having a sidekick eagle was like just kind of one of those weird, where did James Gunn, or where, where did he pull that from? Like, what, what were you guys' thoughts on that one? I'll, I'll go ahead and take the lead on that. I just... You leave it to James Gunn to get yet another awesome, fun CGI character in one of his properties. I mean, we had like the little baby Star Rose and King Shark in the last one. 
Groot and Rocket and Guardians, and now we have Eagly, the pet eagle, and such a loyal companion. And I mean, it's no weirder than uh, the original Falcon having Red Wing. I mean, I don't have too much to say about it. it. I was like almost in tears in the penultimate episode where I thought he was gonna die. I'm like, no, that's like his only friend, because like the the task force doesn't really care. Like they they're they're starting to, but like they, I mean, with the way the show was panning out, it was kind of leaning towards like oh, we don't like this guy anymore. And his one real loyal pet friend is going to die on him. I'm like, no. And then he wakes up and hugs him and shows that there are some great miracles in this world. But yeah, Eagly is fine. I, I like him. <laughs> um, easily, uh, like Eagly, easily. Well, I said that five times fast. Eagly, easily is the best character in this whole show. Um. And you you hit the nail on the head there, Will. Leave it to James Gunn to come up with another CGI character that steals all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> for real. And, like, there's there's a clear, like, parallel between um, King Shark and and Groot. Like, they're the same exact character, just, you mm-hmm. know, uh, played by Vin Diesel and then, you know, the one played by... Sylvester Stallone but um yeah best character um honest to god probably my favorite character and so ridiculous just another reason why I love the show so much because of how ridiculous a super smart pet eagle best friend to peacemaker kind of character this is so eagle is the best and yes it would have been a travesty if James Gunn took him away from us at the end but I was like when I was watching the when I was watching the last couple episodes, like no, he better not. He better freaking not, you know, kill off Eagly. That'd be the worst thing ever. And James Gunn is pretty smart, so he didn't do it. So yeah, the best. I think my favorite Eagly moment is when they give him the helmet to drop at the very end. It- <laughs> he completely misses the mark. And they're like they're all like hopeful, like, oh my gosh, there's no way you got Eagle to do something that specific and then like he's going to do it, I can't wait. And you like Adebayo is like jumping up and down like, Yes, and then he hears off. And then take a straight hard right and it's like what? (laughs) I I think that for that like you said, he was a smart character, but they had to still play that it's just an eagle. Like, you can train it. But it's still, at the end of the day, just an eagle. And I loved the way that they handled it. And I loved the hug at the beginning and the end of the series. I thought those were just, like, really odd, tear-jerking moments that it's just, like, I don't know and how that... He selfie in the end, too. Yeah. Because in the beginning, yeah, he wanted the selfie really bad. And then he actually, then he actually got, got the selfie, which I just think is really cool. I I was kind of hoping that... Uh, what Ab- Abdoye? Abdoye? Adebayo. Adebayo, thank you. I'm getting all my Black Panther stuff mixed up. Okay, Adebayo. I think what was cool, what would have been really cool is if she would have, like, as she's, like, feeling this, like, it's a sign, if she would have just, like, from the bottom of the the window that she was seeing him through, pulls up her phone and takes a picture. Because I think that would have just kind of been one of those, well, you kind of ruined the moment, but it was funny, so I'm going to let it slide. Like, I feel like that would have been that, that perfect moment to do something like that. So... But I, I think that Eagley was just an amazing addition. Like you guys said, he br- he brought something that hadn't been used before, and it was really cool to see that. Now, on a darker side, we had Peacemaker's dad. 
And Peacemaker's dad was this absolutely awful character. We can all agree to that. And being known as the White Dragon, he is a white supremacist. He kind of has his neo-Nazi, KKK, kind of everything that's really bad about America was him. Like, we were talking pre-show, uh, Chick, how this is kind of that political, like, when you take something and it just goes so... F- it's kind of like, you know, we see something go so far conservative that you can't see left, where a lot of us, you know, I- I've heard many times, I live in a very deeply... Rep- uh, Republican state, very red. I hear all the time, we're so red we can't see blue. And you know, I, I get the pub or the the political side, but for this, it was it was so red that blue never stood a chance. And I, I don't I, I sit more middle personally because I, I want to see both sides. I want to have those clear cut conversations and, and we're not gonna make this a political statement here. But what did you guys think of this character do you feel like this was someone that was done properly do you think that this kind of helps show things like what are your guys' thoughts chick i want to start with you bud yeah so uh this is one of the things that kind of struck me and impacted me the most one of the things i will you know take away from the show the most is the very clear imagery of how patriotism can turn to nationalism can turn to easily you know white white supremacist ideology and that was you know it's very obvious with the relationship between you know mega patriotic i'll do anything to keep peace for my country peacemaker to his relationship with white supremacist piece of crap dirtbag dad um and how those things um when when taken to its extreme can be hand in hand um not saying that uh i agree or disagree with James Gunn's uh, James Gunn's point um, that he was making, but it was a very clear um, imagery, and I thought um, it was done well. Um, but you know, not 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 um, everyone who sees one way or the or the other way is you know good, bad, or wrong. I think one of the one of the best things about this about this show is, and we'll get to this question later, talking about the butterflies. But one of the best things about the show is it really lives. And does a good job of living in these in these gray areas, right? Um, so, like you have the whole imagery of you know patriotism leading to white supremacist nationalism, um, going hand in hand, but still peacemaker finding a way to like you know to do combat the right it. thing, yeah, figure it out. to combat and and figure it out himself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I follow that up, guys. I mean, just plain and simple. One, this is a pretty, just like Peacemaker, White Dragon is a pretty, really weird, obscure character that I'm sure DC would like us all to forget. And obviously, based on his uh, comeuppance at the end of the show, uh, it shows like, yeah, absolutely, that guy is a piece of crap and him and his cronies and idiots are absolutely doing the wrong thing and James Gunn doesn't support that and all that stuff. And just, it's just the fact that DC even let, let them do a story like this, I'm just like, Wow! Holy I mean, crap! It, it wasn't the first time because they had the whole thing with the Seventh uh, Calvary in Watchmen on the HBO Watchmen show. Okay, I, I haven't fi- yeah. I haven't finished that, I, uh, but yeah. it, it would make sense. Watchmen would tackle that. It's, it's mm-hmm. a very politically uh, charged book, uh, but man, it just but it shows them at every turn that they're all imbeciles and idiots. And at the end of the day, I mean, just like any other 
I'll, I'll just keep it brief. I, I don't like it. I do like that they got the T-1000 himself, Robert Patrick, uh, to be, is that the right actor's name? Uh, to be mm-hmm. that piece of crap. Just so, because I mean, because I, I haven't seen him in a while. I mean, and that's like his most, most notable role. And I mean, he went from a cold-blooded killing machine to a cold-blooded piece of crap. Killing machine, yeah. killing machine who's yeah, deeply racist. racist. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure I caught a, uh, Never mind. I was going to do a bad bit. It's not funny. Um, <laughs> um and anyway, just they're all imbeciles and just like a lot of other interpretations we've seen in other media, like we don't support that stuff and it's it's not cool. It's not welcome here. And John Cena got, got the win in the end and they all got their butts kicked a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, oh, I wish John Cena could do that in real life to a few Nazis, but that's maybe too extreme and we should just move on. <laughs> well, yeah. this, this is why I love the white dragon being in this show. And I know like it sounds weird when I say it that way, but I I think that in realism for a hero to stand their ground against their parent and everything that they were taught, because mom and dad are the ones who are pouring everything in and to you going in and saying, I disagree with you to the point that I am staring you down with a gun. And I'm not saying kill your parents. That's not what I'm saying at all. But for him, he actually kills his dad. And in that moment, He's he's having this struggle of this is the only parent I've ever known. This is the father figure that I had. And to stand up against that and say you're wrong, that this is this is the problem. You are the problem, not me, but you. And to go in and knowing that dad wasn't going to change. I hate that he had to kill the dad because like for me, like I would never want to be in that situation with my own dad. I love my dad. I think the world of my dad. Mm. But for that situation... I get why they made him that awful of a character because it it, it propelled Peacemaker as in, in character development. Yeah. You start to see how awful his childhood was in those flashbacks, and then you see the character he's become, and you're like, well, yeah, he's has like there's there's this thought process that my boss tells me all the time. He says, Jordan, you went through some really really rough stuff when you left West Enon. You have to unlearn a lot of things, and Peacemaker is unlearning the things that his dad pushed on him and when he comes home and has to come get eagerly he's still unlearning things and his dad is still pushing things and he's having to that inner struggle he's got that fight and i love the way that everything kind of just plays out because this is an absolutely garbage character and Mm. you go in and you're like i love to hate this guy because like i'm glad i was so glad when he was dead at the end but i loved his suit I loved the way that he had, like, he didn't just go at it by himself. It was very classic DC Comics. I've got henchmen. We're going to take down the hero. And I feel like we've missed that in the past. Golly, how many years have we not had henchmen? Like, I feel like this century, we've not really had a bad guy who's got a bunch of henchmen doing his thing. Like, if you want to say Age of Ultron, which Ah, I know. If you want to say Age of Ultron, it's the same guy. He's just got multiple bodies. If you want to go in and say uh, Batman with the Dark Knight Rises, you've got Bane, but he's really kind of forcing hands. He, It's not really henchmen as much. Like, these guys, they are following. They are choosing to follow, not because he is going to kill them all, but because they believe the same thing and they want to be his people. And I loved the way that they handled it because... I didn't have a problem watching them all like die one at a time because that was one of those really cool things. It's like you brought something that is a comic book DC comic staple 
and brought it to the to the small screen. And I, I just I loved that. I thought that they handled him so well, and I loved to hate that character through the whole thing. Yeah, Chick. Yeah. So um, we we mentioned this earlier in, the, in this episode where uh, James Gunn took a ton of liberties with these characters, right? And I find it super ironic uh, that the worst character, the most hateable character in this, he stuck to the comic comic book origins of very truly like oh yeah but yeah yeah the way white dragon is in the comic book in in any iteration of suicide squad comics he's very much like this he's this is a very super accurate white dragon um and because he's got weird armor with weird powers and you know it can fly and and he's super racist and doesn't give a crap about anything and is a terrible human being um this this is like honestly one of the most comic book accurate you know villains that they put in the show in a, in a, in a while honestly um absolutely it was so- yeah yeah the only other thing i was going to add about white dragon is that even after chris makes the choice to kill him and try to be rid of him he's he's still in there in his head all that te- like what you said the learning like even he, in the he, end, yeah yeah is he a force ghost? We'll never know. <laughs> I was about to make season, that comment. Season. I was going to make yeah. that comment. I was going to say, it's almost like a twisted version of Kylo Ren, but like Chris is right to kill his dad. Like Kylo was not in Han Solo. And I had to get my, I had to get my sequel mentioned in there at some point. So it's, it's, he's still reeling with it. Like I'm sure as we saw in the sequel trilogy, like it's been messing with Kylo's head and Chris's head. And I, I just want to get a star Wars reference in there. Oh, uh, absolutely. Since, since my age of Ultron thing got stolen twice. Twice. Yeah, you saw the wheels turn in that second time. Oh, I did. You? I saw it, but I was already heading down that path anyway. So uh, uh, Peacemaker almost was talked out of killing the cow in the last episode by, was it Goff? Was that yeah, the, the name? Goff. Okay, by yeah. Goff. Yeah. Did you guys think that the reveal with Peacemaker Season 2 coming out, because they, they announced before this last episode that they were going to do Season 2, did you think that with that reveal that this season was going to end on a cliffhanger with that conversation. It's hard to say, man. Uh, I think James Gunn has a, another fun idea. I mean, we were talking about, uh, I was thinking about this while we were talking about White Dragon. We didn't really t- see, we didn't hear much about Peacemaker's mom, correct? Or if I did, I, it went over my head. I don't remember anything being said. So we, we, we saw the dad, but maybe he rekindles his relationship with his mother or something of that sort maybe she's just as awful or maybe she was like the one good thing in their lives i i, I that, that could be a possibility but i you were talking about the alien subplot i kind of so. hope that mom doesn't show up but with this alien subplot do you think that this cliffhanger is what like when, when you were watching it if you didn't look at the time did you feel like it kind of set it up to where one way or the other it could have been pushed because okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna backtrack a little bit titan season one ended and then Titan season two started basically at that exact same moment and then they did a quick trigon like couple episodes and then yeah the beginning of season two was when trigon finally appeared yeah they reworked the finale yeah Yeah. they they reworked the finale into season two did you think that maybe they were going to kind of go that route to keep us hooked did you feel like this was going to be hey Aliens are going to be a big part of season two or like what, what were your thoughts in that moment? Did you guys, did you expect him to shoot? Let, let's even ask that question. Did you expect him to shoot? Uh, yeah. Uh, I expected it to, because up until that week, we didn't know season two was coming. So like, I thought we were just going to get a self-contained story and it'd it be done. And 
you're, you're not always guaranteed that next season. I mean, I'm used to it with like Titans and Smallville, like where the finale leads into the premiere of the next season. Then the next season goes into the next plot points and we're still doing some cleanup from that stuff. But that I'm used to that with syndicated, syndicated TV, but with streaming stuff, you're not always guaranteed that next thing. So I kind of, I just repeated myself twice. It's not a big deal. We got this. Um, but, <laughs> um, um, I figured it was going to be pretty self-contained and maybe be like just a fun, like I figured it was going to go from beginning to end. I mean, it's open up just enough where like, if, if God forbid James Gunn did something horrid or he decided he didn't want to continue with the, the WB and DC and says, Hey, season two sounds nice, but you know, he's going to give me creative control. Now I'm out. It, it still ends on a good note. Like his relationship with Harcourt's good. Uh, yeah. Goff is still around and I'm sure there's, I mean, as we saw with the scale of the butterflies, they're still around. Uh, I mean, if we want to keep going down that r- route, that's fine. But I would like to see something else. I mean, I think it's pretty. Um, I think I think that story is pretty pretty done, in my opinion. Or maybe he can convince Goff to maybe switch stuff. But at this point, I, I, I'm down, if we since we are continuing season two, I'm down to see whatever they do, whether it's more aliens or not. I just. I, I just kind of want to leave the butterflies in season one and move on to a different threat in season two, like I said, with the mother stuff or maybe other aliens or maybe some other like threats. Yeah. So one, I didn't think for a second that they were going to do that to us. Um, Like, I think there was a pretty obvious trajectory towards a resolution in that last episode. And um, so like, it was super obvious that it was coming. Um, I didn't know that there was going to be, I must be so disconnected because I didn't know there was going to be a uh, second season that it was extended until you sent us our our uh, episode script for for this. So <laughs> that, was, that was actually a pretty um, yeah. cool surprise to get to find out that way. Um, there you but yeah, go. I, I didn't I didn't think like there was a very tr- clear trajectory for um for that plot to, and and honestly the way they ended it um like does I don't know what like there's a very open-ended like they didn't end on a cliffhanger so you, you can just kind of do whatever you want with the next season yeah because everything kind of ended on almost like just a in an, like a very conclusionary way you, you got you know hard hardcore and and um doing her pt and um you got um the economist with the new job at bell reeve and all, all that different stuff also golf comes back and is like bffs with with peacemaker now apparently because you know that one scene with yeah right at the end or in the stuff yeah yeah, on on the porch um i feel like they kind of wrap it up really nicely they they Mm -hmm. box it up they they put the nice wrapping paper on it they've tied it up with a little bow it looks nice and we got the gift of season one and you can kind of go wherever you want moving forward i think that you nailed that one it's just kind of very self-contained clearly the plan was I think they just they didn't know if they're going to do a season two or not, and with that getting you know, becoming as big of a hit as it has been, that's what pulled them to like it pushed them far enough to be like, oh yeah, we should definitely do a season two now. So yeah, I so, mean, just even I hate to keep bringing the comparisons to the thing. This is why I ranked it like just eight, high eight, low nine is because we've seen this repetition with James Gunn before. But like, mm-hmm. if, if we never got a Guardian sequel, that first one is just good by itself. Like yeah, like. Oh, yeah even allusions to the dad and all that stuff but like that even though this is crazy to talk about it's marvel season two series two phase two it's just like um 
who are these guys? Like they didn't know it was going to be a hit. It was like, that was like them taking another shot and it worked and this worked as well. And uh, just some other thoughts. Cause I know we're going to move on and talk about uh, some other things, but like Jordan said, uh, giving him the gift of like the, the juice, whatever, but we got the gift of melody. The, the music in this show was top mm. tier. Mm, that's fair. Another emotional moment for me was that moment economists, because uh, we don't have any questions about economists, but I just want to bring oh, this up yeah. to, uh, where he has to pretend to be a butterfly and he talks about, yeah. he tells the truth about his beard and like all the hurt. thoughts he has about himself. Hurt that himself. hurt. I'm just like, I was like, no, economists. Uh, you were just like some dude in the other, and they were just giving you a hard time. And like, you actually do it because of all, all, no, come on, man, feel better about yourself. But I know that's not always easy. So, uh, but we can move on, and Jordan can tackle his what he thought from there. You know, I, for me, I was kind of questioning. I actually had to tap because I think I was watching it on my iPad at the moment, uh, and I remember, or, or maybe it was on the TV, and I checked the time. I had to seriously take a step back because I was so invested. In, sometimes it feels like the sh- the episodes are shorter than they actually are. And mm-hmm. so I had to make sure that there was still time because I was like, please do not end on this cliffhanger. And so, like, mm-hmm. I felt like there was a bit of a cliffhanger moment. I know that, the, like, it could have gone no matter which way, but maybe they filmed, like, a different way in case they got season two. And so I was like, you could just kind of leave this in this one moment where we're going to kind of end with, peacemaker trying to make the decision and i was very concerned that they were going to leave it as a cliffhanger i don't think that dc does well with cliffhangers looking at arrowverse shows sometimes they're they're hits sometimes they're botches and you just kind of it just it's hit and miss a lot of times and so sometimes it's just easier to end the story and then start the next piece and i loved the way that they handled it and i loved the inner struggle that came with the conversation of hey you know don't kill the cow I'm your friend. I I came for peace. And he said, well, and and I love that he he didn't kill Goff. He shot the human so that Goff had to leave the human, but and I loved the way that they handled that. Finale. Let's talk about that real quick before we we sign off for this episode. But the finale, what did you like about the finale? What was your favorite part? And what did you think about at the very end? Chick said he wasn't going to ruin it, but I will having the Justice League show up at the very end of this episode. What did you think of the finale? Uh, Will? Uh, DCEU confirmed? Because that was like a big speculation about this. Because like, yeah, we have we had some familiar we had some familiar characters and Peacemaker. We don't know if we can believe Peacemaker throughout this. He's a very unreliable neighbor. Like, oh yeah, Superman's got a blah blah blah. And oh yeah, Wonder Woman, she was totally looking at me. She wanted to date me. She thinks I'm hot. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to actually be good for once in this, and I, I want to say them all. And there's even the jokes about Aquaman. Greatest payoff ever. Like, I I agree. I wish Gal and Henry could have been there, but, like, Henry have those, like, contracts up in the air, and I'm sure Gal mm-hmm. looked at the script and was just like, oh, I'm going to make, I'm going to play into these stupid jokes? No. I'm, I'm doing Death on the Nile. Sorry, guys. So, but the, the fact that Momoa and Flash, who, who are going to be, like, front runners later on this year, were, like, playing off of each other, I'm like, yes. Because, like, it, it just even though there hasn't been anything since the Snyder cut, it, it, it kind of um, entails that like, Oh yeah, some other adventures have been going on. And like that, that Barry has gotten on his nerves. Cause Barry's kind of like the hyperactive, like ADHD kid on the team going like, Hey, Oh, Hey, I'm a, it's a cave, like a bat cave, even though it's a, that's a, the other cut, but I'm sure there's been some point that he's said that in his life. Uh, but a great funny payoff. The finale was great. And 
getting off that cameo uh, a moment i did like peacemaker having his shield like captain america and of course it's not like a fake metal or whatever so he has to find other ways to like throw it at people so he like shoots it and knocks into the guy i was just going yeah to the theme song of the show too i'm just like i was just going i I never like i I was just going oh what Ah!" it was just like crazy violent but i'm going like this that's peacemaker that's this crew i mean this i mean it's not even worse than like the suicide squad giant starro thing but i'm like going like you guys really went for it like that was that was their hallway scene I'll, yes I'll leave it at that yes yeah yeah so um just yeah so to continue on that specifically uh when i was uh watching the last couple episodes earlier today i was like thinking they need to do a thing where they end on the theme song. That's going to be awesome. And then when that final fight scene and they start going into it, I'm like, yes, yes, awesome. Anyways, and then also throwing the shield in front of someone and then shooting it into someone's neck was so cool. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but, yeah, so um, when when that scene, with the Justice League scene comes up and you just see everyone's shadow, I was like, is this going to be lame and they're just going to show their shadows and like be stupid and and stuff and then they they close in on you know flash and aquaman i'm like oh oh my goodness no it's momoa and and ezra miller let's go and and they're just so awesome um and it would have been great to have you know Batflick and gal gadot and henry cavill all there also but yeah contracts and wb stupid anyways but yeah and then the whole part where uh ezra miller is like you do, you know, a uh, fish, right? <laughs> and, and Jason like, Miller's shut like, up, Barry. You, Barry. Yeah, it was so yeah. awesome, dude. Because, like, you can't, I mean, if you really wanted to, you can do the movies with a lot of F-bombs in them, but, like, um, then you can't market it to kids, obviously. So, like, it was awesome that they get to have that kind of banter because it's an HBO Max show, so you can actually have that kind of banter in in it. So, like, I'm not saying I love everything with F-bombs in it, but it's, like, cool to, yeah. you know, thing. Yeah. So, felt right. a little did, bit did, more did, real to life. Yeah. yeah. I forget. He just said, like, screw off, Barry. He didn't say, damn it, Barry, like the meme, right? Because that would have been, like, the greatest payoff for him to no, say no, he, that. No, he literally just said, F you, Barry. Yeah, F you, Barry. Okay. I was just yeah. saying, like, ah, we missed an opportunity. <laughs> but usually that means associated with Grant Gustin. But, ah, right. I mean, it would have been a nice payoff. But, yeah, it was beautiful. I loved it. I think the finale just it did this the entire series justice. I think mm. that from start to finish, from uh, yeah, so yeah, I think I the I think everything was really good. I think that the character kind of at the end, having that that spot where him and his dad, who's in his head, they're having their their squabbles in the forest, and then uh, them kind of sharing a beer on the the uh, the deck right at the end, like sharing a beer. I think it's just that scene was kind of meant to be like. He's always going to be in his head. Well, well, not not sharing a beer like intentionally. Like they just happen to kind of have that moment where they're they both have a beer and they're just sitting there, and it's like kind of has like that that evil twist of sharing a beer, and it was it was different, and it was a good take on it. And I was like, well, this is going to be fun for season two when they when they do that because he'll show up and just in random weird places, and that's going to be an inner struggle for for Peacemaker, and I loved that. As for the Justice League, I agree with you guys. I wish Batfleck would have shown up. I was glad to see an outline of Superman and Wonder Woman. I wish that they would have physically been there, but the Aquaman and Flash banter, that was great. Absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think and one thing you guys didn't say was I loved even more that Peacemaker said, 
well, finally you guys show up. Or like he kind of like alludes to like they should have been there a lot sooner. And I, I've always had that question. What happens when they're not there in time? Like what happens if Task Force X ended up taking care of something before the Justice League got to it? Or they caught wind of something? And like what happens in those moments? Well, see, I was hoping for something like this at the end of Suicide Squad before like our team in that movie takes down and ends up beating star like i was expecting like the i was expecting them to recreate the cover but with like the, the those justice league members even though we haven't seen some of those canonically like because that could have been the first time because i mean like it's even though now we know it's in even though we knew it was in dceu and they're, they're still trying to write the ship of that um it could have been like a nice like little payoff and continuity not i mean i've seen like some fun, fun fan art of like polka dot man and blood sport and all of them taking down starro in that same vein but that, that's when i expected them to show up but in the peacemaker show on hbo max in february uh i didn't think that was even on the table yeah it was it was a fun fan service that we got and i absolutely loved it well guys thank I personally, you oh i was gonna say you, <laughs> you guys said you want to see bat flick i personally would have liked to see michael keaton or bat battinson show up but it's all it's all convoluted and crazy but jordan with that you can take it away (laughs) guys thank you so much for being a part of this episode it's been a lot of fun for all of our listeners if you didn't catch earlier we are pushing out some new content coming out in april this is called the comic book club and with the comic book club it's going to be a paid premium membership 25 dollars on podbean we encourage you to go and check that out we also encourage you to go check out our TikTok channel, Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. We're pushing out different videos every day, just trying to get out there, have a little bit more fun. You'll get to see our faces, get to see kind of what we're interested in. But with that, that's the end of our show. Guys, thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you guys here next time on Nerd Talk. <laughs>